Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. Hello, um, welcome to our um, Empowering Connections um, Developing Online Peer Support webinar. I am Leslie Smith, I'm a network officer with the Scottish Recovery Network and today I'm joined with uh, I'm Hayley, I'm the development worker um, for Edinburgh's peer community and I also work for Health in Mind. Hello everyone, I'm Emma, and I work for Bipolar Scotland and I lead with the team at Bipolar Scotland on peer support. So we're here today to discuss online peer support. Peer support is a recognised and an effective and valued way to help people who are experiencing mental health problems through sharing similar experiences, it can bring connection, understanding and acceptance. For most of us, the commonly held view is that peer support should primarily be offered face-to-face and that online or by other remote means is more challenging, especially with regard to building up relationships and the emotional connections that um, we can experience with each other other which is at the core of that peer relationship it was felt that you know there's something that gets between us when we're 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 behind a screen or we're not in the room with each other so our aim today is to learn from the research that the Scottish Recovery Network have have carried out on online peer support the learning speak experiences from people who have been involved in facilitating and supporting um, peer support um, and the things that one of the key themes that we learned um, from this work is that online peer support can be kind it can be a compassionate and it can be safe and it can be empowering there's many things to think about in the, in the process it's not just let's set up um, a Zoom room and go from there. So today is about exploring that in a bit more depth and Hayley and Emma are going to share their experiences and their knowledge with us as well. We are passionate about the power of peer support and how through sharing our experiences and walking alongside uh, 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 walking alongside others with similar experiences can be both powerful and healing. So and while we are, are talking about our experiences from the, within the mental health community, we, we believe that the learning and the, and the approaches are universal. There's a lot to um, learn from others' experiences and some of the hard work of sussing out how to do this. Um, it's good to learn from others. So in a way, it's another form of peer support. So to kick off, I'm going to just talk a couple of minutes about the research that the Scottish Recovery Network undertook. Um, we, we, we decided that one of the things we would like to explore more is how does online peer support work? Does it work? And if so, what makes it work? And what are some of the things that might get in the way so we can learn how to overcome them? And we were fortunate that... Um, one of the, I wouldn't say fortunate in a way, due to um, 
lockdowns over the past year or so, we've had to be innovative around and responsive to the ways that we provide peer support. And previously, we would have been a bit more hesitant about going online. At this opportunity, it was more like, we need to do this and let's see how it goes. And we were pleasantly surprised um, with what could be achieved. Um, so with that in mind, what we did learn was that you know people were being innovative and responsive to the situations that were around them. The being flexible was a key part of the success of developing online peer support. One of the challenges was um, around the digital divide. If you want to go on line you need to have the resources to be um, to be able to do that and the confidence to use these resources a key theme as well was that not only do people who come and meet for peer support are coming for support but the facilitators too need support to make this approach work and overwhelmingly remote peer support worked for a lot of people in ways that um, perhaps we hadn't thought of pre Pre, um, previously and also enabled people who perhaps would have been more hesitant to join a um, face-to-face group the opportunity to benefit from peer support but acknowledging the same time it's different it's not quite the same as face-to-face and it works for a lot of people but it's not for everybody so we use the so our we produced a research um, report um, um, meaningful connections. We held a couple of events to share our learning and from this we have developed a resource um, empowering connections to give hints and tips around um, developing online peer support. So with that in mind we've spoken to about 400 people. <laughs> um, there's a lot of a lot of learning to share. So we'll get into a bit about, um, let's do that with Hayley and Emma. So to kick us off a bit, first things first, developing our online spaces. How do we do it? (laughs) (laughs) Hayley, I wonder. Yeah, so I guess when, obviously, we didn't really expect to have to develop an online space. So, um, yeah, usually we would take months to develop something new, but we had to, like, turn it around in a week. So that was a that was an interesting experience and just kind of had to accept we would have to do a lot of learning as we were going and, um, like, prepare as much as we can. Um, so, you know, we, we, as staff members, we sort of would meet and, and discuss, you know, what, you know, what do we see being the challenges, but then also meeting with the volunteer team, because my groups are looked after like by volunteers, um, speaking to them about firstly, whether they were, in, were happy to be involved online, because if, if I had no volunteers, then that's, you know, that's kind of, we're not the end, but um, it's a bit of a stumbling block. Um, and also I, I was going to be going along to start with. Sorry, now I started talking, my cats decided to start getting involved. But um, but yeah, so and I was, um, I kind of accepted that I would have to be going along to start with while we were learning. So yeah, I mean, there was obviously the basics of, you know, what platform are we going to use? What, you know, which platforms look simplest? Which platforms that look like people are already using? So we picked Zoom and based on that seemed to be the one emerging um, as a popular platform and it seemed to work well. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of setting up, 
making you know making sure we had things like waiting rooms um making sure that our group agreements worked for an online space adding in instructions that we felt like we needed like how we would like people to be mindful around discussions of COVID-19 for example obviously that wasn't in our old group agreements um I think we'll talk a bit more about safeguarding later but I think that was that was the main concerns that we had so we, we kind of put what we could in place um around that but to be honest I think we were probably quite as as it's turned out maybe a bit over overzealous with that and we've been able to sort of scale it back a bit um but it's probably better to be that way than, than the other than the other way around um but yeah how about yourself Emma what sort of things did you guys have to think about yeah so to be honest I think um peer support is something that Bipolar Scotland has, has done it's at the heart of, of the organization and like yourself Hayley we we took all our groups online and that came with its own um concerns and its own risks and issues which you've kind of very much discussed there but one of the things that we were able to do during lockdown um, was a start up a peer support initiative so to have a, an absolute dedicated team of three peer support workers um, employed to give one-to-one support um, to uh, and support probably is the wrong word there to use to walk alongside and, and I think that is a key theme um, of, of peer support um, with these individuals um, and that really was an exciting challenge, to be honest, Aki. Um, most people seen um, online and seen COVID as a massive blank when it came to this. Um, for us at Bipolar Scotland, we thought this was a, a, a fantastic opportunity, being a national organisation, to be able to reach everyone in Scotland um, rather than just focus on, on a particular local areas. Um, having three peer support, support workers everywhere in the country it didn't really matter because we would come to you through the, the power of um, online. And some of the, the platforms that we, we use are Zoom, um, which is very successful. I think everybody would acknowledge that. But actually, we, we allow for email, um, which is it's got its own challenges. And I remember the initial first referral coming through for email and everybody going, why did we allow email? <laughs> but actually it worked incredibly well um, as, as a, a type of support. And we also use a telephone, so phone call. Um, you can receive a, t- a phone call and we use text message as well. So there is a whole host of different ways. And, and what I would say to anybody is when you're developing your online space, be as creative as you possibly want to be um, there is no rights or wrongs to this um, and I think that that is one of the key that I would say to, to create in an online space don't be scared to try something different um, because it might work and the other thing I'd say definitely when creating your online space is work with your peer support team whether that be your group of volunteers or whether that be with your staff work with them rather than creating an idea that you think might work because at the end of the day you aren't at the other side of of that screen and so for me that that was a very important aspect of of how we developed our service brilliant thank you i was thinking about as well is you know that part where people talk about well how do i feel connected to others i was wondering Mm. if you say a little bit about what are some of the things that you did to maybe make that feel as if you were in that room with people or that Mm. amongst themselves that people were able to do that? I think we were quite lucky um, for our groups um, 
because the way that they were structured actually lent already, like in face-to-face groups, lent itself really well to the online space. Um, because we already had a structure where people signed up if they wanted to speak at meetings and people took it in turns. And then like once people have shared their main, what, the main thing that they want to share, that there might be a bit of discussion. Um, so that, because I guess that's one of the tricky things with, with online is people feeling like they're going to be interrupting or people's, you know, internet might be lagging. So they might interrupt like, without realizing they are, or people don't know when to come in um, yeah. to a discussion. So I think have it like we were lucky in that way. Um, so I would say maybe if 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 you do have more free flowing ways of communicating in a group, in your face to face groups and you're moving them to online, maybe thinking about that of like making sure people know the, how the conversations are structured and like when it's when they can speak and when they can't. But I think as well, like the facilitators have really like their skills have developed through doing this you know we didn't know the skill <laughs> skills that they would need to help people connect before it's been a real learning on the job experience you know so knowing like when people take themselves off mute for example that's probably an indicate that they want to say something um so maybe introduce you know saying oh so and so no she took yourself off mute um um so it's little cues like that where people um yeah have had to like learn those skills for like helping people into the conversation so they can connect with each other and then they can share brilliant thank you yeah I mean I think it is difficult to get that connection we all talk about it don't we that connection in the room that's that light bulb moment that you literally wish you could bag and take elsewhere and explain to people what that feels like Um, and that that is something I guess it's unique when you've got people in the room um, and I guess what I would say to anybody is try and not replicate that online because it's a very different platform. Um, So it's not about replicating, it's about necessarily creating a new venture, a new way for people to express. And certainly what what I found in the one-to-one, or certainly what what has been reported back, is people have enjoyed um, getting one-to-one via online. And it could just be because we are a national organisation, so it does allow for that flexibility but it is meant that people have been able to fit it at a time when it suits them. So some people maybe can only fit half an hour in before work in the morning, or some people at at lunchtime, I'll I'll go for a walk in the park and then they'll they'll, um, Zoom call somebody and have a chat, or even at night. So it's it's allowed for that flexibility. I'd certainly say that that has been key. And and for some reason, that, that has created its own connection in its own unique way. Um, so definitely what I'd say is that the connection that we talk about, making it meaningful and, and being a meaningful connection, don't try and replicate what you do face to face. See it as its own unique project within itself in its own right. Brilliant. That's a really good point to make there. Thank you. I, I was also considering about so, so, some of the things that people talked about was, you know, part of going to a peer support say group was around the informal chat that happens and initially we're perhaps you know we set up a group and um it would be it starts at 10 and it finishes at 11 and over time people talked about well we created um spaces to allow people to come and meet beforehand um Mm. you know maybe start a few minutes early so that people can chat or leave the room open at the end for 20 minutes or half an hour to allow people to have a bit of a catch-up for, for whoever wanted to, you know, these important coffee breaks um, that people really value that more in 
formal time. So lots of good ideas in there and brilliant. Hey, 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 sorry, my speech is gone again. Sorry. <laughs> Hayley, <laughs> you, um, a, bit er a bit earlier, you made a reference to safeguarding. I was wondering if you could say a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. And I think as well, it really, um, it's so key when it comes to connection is that, you know, for people to connect with each other and to be able to, to share and show that vulnerability and speak about their mental health. I think people need to feel, there's firstly feeling safe, yeah. that element of safeguarding. Um, and I think for me and, I, and from people I've spoken to, um, I think the group agreements or support agreements or comfort agreements, whatever you call them in your space, I think they're absolutely crucial um, and having, having a group agreement that works for your, you know, that your group has, takes ownership for, that they connect with, that they've hopefully built over time, that they know they can change if they need to. Mm. Um, I think that's really key in, in, in keeping people safe. And then obviously the facilitators are there to make sure that, you know, to remind people if they're maybe not following it. Um, and actually over, over the last year, we've, we've introduced, um, new elements to the way we run our groups to help people to feel safe in them that we didn't have before or that we've sort of developed further. So um, we've always had trigger warnings that people, you know, so people can sort of say, oh, I'm about to discuss X, Y, and Z, and people can share what their triggers are. But yeah, we've really sort of like worked with that over the last year. And I think that's been really helpful as well for creating this sort of feeling of safety. And we've introduced things like timeouts that the group members can use if they feel like something's sort of gone a, a bit amiss with the way the meeting's um, running. So again, just so people can have, can be involved in keeping the meeting safe, because obviously everybody's a part of making the meetings feel safe and communicating in a way that everybody feels okay with um, and able to able to share and so that everyone can be heard and then I think yeah so I think the information the, the group agreement I think the information we give people beforehand so they can come in well informed they know what's expected of them they know how to prepare themselves so they can keep themselves and others safe is is crucial um, and then I think a lot of the safeguarding yeah like I said before all of this we were, I, this is the thing I was wrapping myself in knots about um, before we started of you know I was just very aware that if something does you know if somebody is very distressed or you know if there's something that does feel unsafe um that we're in people's homes and we're sort of bringing that feeling of a lack of safety of danger into into people's homes so that's why we were so that's why I was so worried about it I think a lot of people were the same um and it's been fine I've got to say I think really people have people want to feel better they want other people to feel better so if they know how to communicate with each other if they know what's expected generally people do it um if they've got that information and and they do sort of help to maintain the space but i think a lot, a lot of it is it's the same ways that we would safeguard the the face-to-face -face groups you know like so for example if something does happen you know that the volunteers they can they can contact me they can contact a duty manager that we can sort of step in and and do do what we need to if you know if we think somebody is at risk um and and it's the same and it's the same way that we would do that in face-to-face -face groups yeah. so yeah it's it's just sort of making sure that we've sort of tweaked the ways we do things to to fit the new platform really 
Brilliant, thank you. Because that's one of the really key things that people always talk about. If you ever mm -hmm. start a conversation about mm -hmm. online peer support or remote types of peer support, the safeguarding question always comes up. So it's really good to mm -hmm. hear what, 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 what you were saying just there about ways to make this a safe space. I wonder, mm -hmm. Emma, if there was anything you wanted to add there. Or... Yeah, we are very similar to, to how we operate as, as Haley do. We have house rules um, for our groups, which you sign up to. Um, and also we have um, group agreements, eh, sorry, not group agreements, one-to-one -one agreements. When you sign up for peer support, you, you sign up to a, a peer support agreement. And within that agreement, we, we very much disclose, you know, that most of what will be said would be confidential, with exception to the, the usual ones which would come under safeguarding. Um, and I think it's really important, I know we'll go on to touch on this a, a little bit more uh, regarding facilitator support, but just kind of touch on the safeguarding, it's also very important that we see it from the people that are providing the support as well, from their perspective and safeguarding them. And I, I don't know about Hayley, but I've certainly found you know, it's actually been okay when it comes to safeguarding, um, but certainly I would say the facilitators have maybe needed a little bit more support in way of maybe some of the things that they're taking home um, because they're literally sitting in their house and holding this information. Um, and I would say that, that that has got more, I'd say that that needs more rigorous support and safeguarding than potentially the, the, the flip side that we automatically always go to, um, which is, you know, massively, oh, what's going to happen if, if uh, this is disclosed? And I guess we, we have the exact same safeguarding in places that we would for face-to-face. -face. Um, we've just adapted it ever so slightly. And one of a, just a key tip for everyone on Zoom that we do um, for our uh, support groups, um, we actually only send out the Zoom link uh, 10 minutes before a meeting. And the, re uh, the reason for that is to prevent that link being shared. So, I mean, it's not going to be a guarantee that it won't be, but it prevents it being sent too far in advance, which means that most people will only receive that link 10 minutes before a meeting, which keeps it a little bit tighter and a little bit safer. Well, that's a really good thing to hear yeah. because initially when we first heard about lots of Zoom meetings, that phrase Zoom bombing and things because people yeah. were publicly sharing um, the joining links and things. I think that's one of the key things that people have learned over um, putting this into practice is there are some things we need to be a bit more mindful of and and it's how we get people yeah. into that room with us and the, and the process and what really struck me as well from when you're both talking as well it comes across is and it's not explicit but I I could sense is that you know that understanding that that the power and the responsibility doesn't just lie with the facilitator you know yeah. the relationship it's about all of us and we all yeah. have Mm -hmm. to make this yeah. work and to ensure this is a good space and a safe mm -hmm. space a kind space mm -hmm. and um and it's not just that the role yeah. the so that, yeah. that's really good to emphasize as well it's all of our responsibilities too um so yes so that's really interesting well, you i was going to add in one thing if that's okay yeah. um sorry i forgot to say um you reminded me when you were speaking emma um yeah, at the at this at the beginning, like I think I said earlier, I, I would attend every group, which I don't usually. But then there was like a middle stage where I would debrief with the facilitators after every group. Like I just automatically met with them when they were finishing. 
Um, and then over time, I've sort of scaled back from that. And we've just gone back to what we used to do, um, which is we would just meet. Uh, sorry, they would just let me know afterwards. And if there was anything to discuss, then we would sort of meet to discuss it. But otherwise it was, yeah, we would see each other at supervision, basically. So there was like a, I think if people are starting up new groups at this point, they may not have to do that. I think it was just because we were developing at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was that sort of like, I guess, step stepping back gradually kind of approach. Yeah. Um, so, so, so in a way you're nurturing people as part of their process of change as well, you know, mm. you're taking them through a, a place of, well, we're here to support you as you go along. Mm. Um, but um, as you get more confident, um, we step back a bit. Yeah, I think it was also for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> of like, just like wanting to know that everything was okay. I think it was just for all of us, just once we kind of had that confidence um, yeah. that actually everything is fine. You know, <laughs> it's all fine. <laughs> well, as fine as it ever is. Yes. <laughs> But you know, but it's good to hear that as well. Um, and it's also, I suppose, it's conscious that for those who are have a responsibility for um, developing and supporting people who are facilitating groups, there's also um, anxieties and things that you will mm -hmm. have as well, and and they need to be held and found a way to work through and not get in the way of. Um, delivering and facilitating peer support. So okay, mm. thank you. So we've got, oh, we've talked a little bit about um, the actual peer support and the meeting part. What about the technology? You know, because when you were using technology to meet. So I'm wondering about what are your experiences or your, and your learning from using technology? I wonder, Emma. Well, I mean, anyone that knows me knows that technology and me are not friends. I generally break technology, so it's good that we're actually on this live feed right, uh, this right now, and I've not managed to cut out, so that, that is progress. Um, but technology is an interesting one because I think automatically people assume that technology means you have to have a computer, you must have internet. And yeah, th these are very important things, but some of the people that we, we have peer support don't have access to these things. Um, some of our uh, more elderly members won't go online um, and that's absolutely fine. Um, so that, that's why we, we made it very clear from the start that we are happy to do a phone call um, as a means as well of, of connecting. And also some people just don't want to appear their face on, on Zoom. I think we all agree we get a bit Zoom fatigue after a while, a team fatigue. Um, so sometimes, actually, we just don't want people to see you on, on the, the, the computer. So I think what, what we were very keen to do is, is keep the use of technology very um, fluid. Um, and what we do is we work alongside the peer and ask them what they want, what, what would be suitable for them. And some of the things, it's changed. So sometimes somebody will maybe request that they want Zoom one week and in the following week, they maybe go to a phone call. And we really allow for that flexibility because let's be honest, that that's what life is. It's flexible, isn't it? And it's also not being scared um, to, you know, have the dogs barking in the background or the cat going across the screen. You know what? We're not perfect um, and that's okay. And I think 
you know, there's a, a, a level of vulnerability by, by the internet because we're all, we're all going through this whole new way of technology together, aren't we? And it's already new to all of us. So I think if we're just honest and upfront about that, I think actually what we find is we're all learning along the way. And certainly the, some of the, the peers that we've helped have helped us use the technology along the way as well. So it's actually, we, we, we've learned along the way as well. So what I'd say to anybody is, is when they're thinking about the use of technology, don't automatically assume that the other person needs that computer. Actually, even if you are using Zoom, they can phone in through Zoom, and we've had people do that um, and successfully. So think think outside the box. Don't don't necessarily panic and think it has to be by by Zoom or by Teams. Great, thank yeah. you, uh, Haley. Sorry. <laughs> No, I was just going to say with the tech, yeah, like people can phone in, like Emma said, um, and I think the facilitators just maybe being aware when people are phoning in that they obviously can't see, so they might need to cue the person in or let them know what's going on, make sure they've heard the group agreements, making sure they're there for that part of it. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something we had to bring in. I've heard it come up from other peer spaces um, where people phone in more, more regularly, that it's also helpful to let people know that there might be a cost attached depending on the packet because it's like phoning a local number so sometimes people have run up bills when they've been phoning into zoom so maybe just making sure people are aware of that if they are using the phone um we've sort of um one of the things we did was sort of allow we would make time for people to come and meet one-to-one if they were nervous about zoom so they can play around with it and see that hopefully see that it's it's okay it's not it's reasonably user-friendly um, for a lot of people. Um, and also, I, I guess the last thing is um, facilitators, I think being confident to exercise their facilitator <laughs> privileges. And, you know, like if somebody is fiddling around their camera and they're making a lot of background noise, for example, like mm. pop on mute and just, and then just say, sorry, there was a bit of background noise. Um, yeah, um, I'd mute you, but just unmute yourself when you want to speak. Mm. and. Yeah, maybe being a bit more directive than with that side of things um, if, if, if it is sort of being disruptive and just assuming that people just don't know how to use it and that's okay, they're not meaning to be disruptive and they would probably rather that you did step in and make it so they weren't, <laughs> they weren't disrupting the rest of the, the group as long as we sort of say that's what's happening. Um, so yeah, they don't yeah. just think they've been silenced for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. like a learning experience experience as you go along and, and, and as a group together you're you're su- you you're sussing out things and you know it's new to as you said it's new mm-hmm. to all of us in this way yeah um, yeah, yeah I was just gonna I was just gonna follow on from what Haley said there because I was I was a uh, I thought it was very interesting when you said about um, making sure people are on mute and uh, you know making sure like the screen's propped up I don't know how many times any of you have been in a meeting and obviously use the chin of someone don't you <laughs> it's quite funny isn't it so what we do is is we have that as well in place and um, you know make you know we give a group agreement and we kind of say you know simple techniques of make sure your phone's propped up make sure you've got no background no- noise make simple things like make sure you have a drink of water so that you know you don't feel you need to get up and and, and go away and um, so it's just simple things like that, that that we've put in place as well um just to make that um, experience just a little bit um, better for people and i was gonna say as well it's actually some of your volunteers emma um you know doing this project in edinburgh there's uh, they've got some funding to 
get some technology for people that haven't been able to attend. Um, this is the sort of Lothian group um, of Bipolar Scotland, um, and they're going to be doing a project where they're showing people how to use this technology so that, you know, if we do, fingers crossed we don't, but if we do go into further lockdowns, if we, you know, if this happens again, that there's people that haven't been able to join that will be able to join. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. This is an interesting time to be thinking about that, like just in case, like maybe we do need to do some work while there is this openness um, that will hopefully stay, but just in case it doesn't, so that people who weren't able to access online support this time, last time, will, if there is a next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just, Hayley, thanks for mentioning the loading group, because I have to say, big, big thanks to the loading group. They are leading the way for Bipolar Scotland. <laughs> They're well ahead of everybody. Um, but yeah, one of the things that we have when it comes to technology is we're going to do move to a more hybrid model um so you know that ability to kind of do both and i have to say um the Lothian group have demonstrated this marvelously actually they're ready to, to roll um and that idea where you know when it comes back to face-to-face we're going to have people that are anxious and might not want to so you can still zoom in on the big screen um i don't know how you about that um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how how ahead people have started to think, and these are people that that are effectively peers themselves. So you know that's what I definitely say when it comes to using technology or doing any peer support online. Go and ask people, um, rather than assuming that you know what they're going to want. Um, and and certainly they'll come out with even more creative and better ideas for you than what you could ever imagine. I think it was David from the Lothian group that first told me about Zoom. I'd never heard of it before this. I was like, what am I going to do? And he was like, use Zoom. And I was like, okay. And I had to go offline and be like, what is Zoom into Google? (laughs) I think there was a lot of us that that were doing that. And I am really excited. I'd spotted that the Lothian bipolar group were were looking at, um, at a hybrid approach. And I was like, this is going to be really exciting. And they'll probably do it really well. So... We need to keep an eye out for um, to let to learn a bit more from their experience in the near future. Mm. Another thing that really struck me in my experiences of being in online support and things is um, once I learned that you could hide your your own your own face on Zoom and hide self you it it made such a difference to my experience experience of being part of a support group or part of one-to-one support I really found it quite liberating in a way because I was getting caught up in my head of what I looked like and things mm-hmm. like that but really mm-hmm. I didn't want to be but it was just made such a difference just that small thing I was just like yes I now feel freer and more comfortable so it's just all these little tricks and things that that, that you learn from up from up from other people that make things mm-hmm. much easier easier and more um, enabling from people so thanks very much there's a lot there um, and I suppose we're in a fortunate time when we've got a government who's talking about a, dig- a digitally connected Scotland so how do we take advantage of um, the opportunities that are out there and connect people into partners around helping people build up their skills and their confidence about mm-hmm. using digital tools but also being able to own and have their own as well um, will make such a difference too so thanks for that so finally um 
we've talked about the the peer support and how to make that happen the tools to that help that 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 we that that we're using and the third thing that's really important is to really think about what about the facilitators we don't want to leave them out because in a way they're the glue that holds everything um together so i wonder if we could talk a little bit more about um support for facilitators yeah i mean i think i've said a bit already throughout but um yeah like i said at the beginning um there was a lot well, there was more support and I was making and I was there for a lot of the group for, for all of the groups at the very beginning um but yeah um at the moment it, it's kind of more like it was before so obviously they can contact me afterwards if they need to like if some if, if there's something that's come up that's been distressing or if they need to like talk something through if they're not quite sure what to do if then if there's any action that maybe needs to be taken um we have supervision with each other anyway yeah. Again, yeah. just to be able to have those more in-depth chats, we have team meetings so that we can all get together because it's that's quite a big team that do our groups and they're not all on at the same time, just so they can all touch base and share ideas and we can work out how we're sort of working together going forward. So we, we are a team. Um, we have a WhatsApp group so that people can rearrange shifts quickly if they need to, and also like sometimes people share, you know, bits, you know, maybe interesting articles they've read or you know, just, or they've got good news, just congratulate each other and, you know, support each other as well as, like, it's not all, they support each other as well as, um, you know, me supporting them and, to be honest, they support me too, which is lovely. Um, and also just making sure that we've, I'm very clear every week that I do expect, expect them to meet to brief with each other so they can work out who's doing what and check in and know how each other are that day. And also that they should always stay on to debrief with each other because even if they felt like a meeting was fine and they feel all good with it you don't know the other person hasn't had something quite triggering come up so yeah making sure they're supporting each other as well as me supporting them yeah mm. yeah well, I, I follow a very similar pattern to Haley actually and um, one of the key things that we do as a team as a peer support work team as we meet every single week. Um, I meet every second week, so sometimes I let them meet on their own, which is really good, because then they get that peer-to-peer um, support with each other where they can have that private chat and be able to support mutually each other. Um, and when I come along, we talk about maybe difficult situations, um, and we also do some self-reflection um, and training. So. Um, what we'll do is, is we'll maybe give a couple of hours a week to, to the peer support workers who will go away and maybe research something of interest and we'll come back and share that um, and we'll look at how we can maybe implement that. Normally they're, they're self-management tools, um, so, so they're very, very helpful. Um, and we've also created um, on our drive um, a resource pack where what, what's happening is, because as we know, peer support is very reciprocal. So the peers are getting, a, the peer support workers are getting a lot from the peers as well. So it's more, more than often um, they come to me and say, oh, have you heard of this book? Have you heard of that? So what, what we've done is we've created a resource pile um, in our G drive where, where they can go in and they can access um, that information as well. And I think for, for our facilitators and making sure they feel part of the wider team as well. Um, and, and that's something that hopefully they do within, within the organisation. They're given um, supervision as well. And I think it's really important to have supervision where they can discuss 
or debrief on, on really difficult cases that they maybe want to have a discussion about, but also how are you doing? How, how's things for you? Because what we're asking people to do is something very unique and something very different. We're asking them to be professional, but we're also asking them to, to go back and share experiences that they may have. And I often say to people that revisiting is okay, but reliving is something very different. Um, and it's when that happens, they need that additional support. Um, and, and I have to say, I hope, hopefully, I think they are giving a lot of support there and they all have a wellness at work plan as well. And for anyone that hasn't heard of that, I, I recommend really all all employer employees uh, have have these in place. Um, but they're they're incredibly helpful. Uh, just quickly on the facilitator support, something I'd say to anybody to watch uh, out for is obviously because it is online and it involves basically not 24-7, but it, it's very flexible in the way that, that we offer our support. Is just be careful that your, your facilitators aren't doing too much. Um, and that they are taking time out for themselves. Um, because I think that's something that, you know, I've, we've had to go back and say, oh, you know, maybe you're, you're doing a little bit too much this week um, because it's not the same traditional way that maybe you would do Monday to Friday or of an evening. It's very um, uh, fluid in the way that they respond. So, so just a, a mindful tip to anybody who's um, maybe developing to make sure that facilitators aren't doing too much. I suppose that's a bit of a challenge as well, especially when people are facilitating from home and they're yeah. in their own home space and there's not that sort of separation or the boundary between, well, this is my home and I go to my peer group or I go to my peer support worker or, or, or this is where peer support happens and this is my home life. That separation, yeah. you know, has cut, is gone and, and our lives are merging a bit. So how do we make sure that um, <laughs> we keep these boundaries in place and look after mm -hmm. ourselves and our well-being and ensuring that um, our home life isn't taken over by um, yeah yeah I think you have to be more mindful about how to yes yeah, sort of draw lines under like different parts of life because things like bus rides and walks home and all the rest of it they're not you know we didn't even realize they were the sort of natural sort of buffers between yeah. you know this part of our life and that part of our life but they sort of were so having different yeah it's um so one of our one of my old volunteers like from way back she was she was a, a student and she did some research about peer support and um there was um one of the things that came up with a lot of people she was interviewing is that people quite frequently have like ritual like self-care rituals for like when they were leaving their supporting behind so um, yeah, it really sort of made me think, oh, yeah, what are my rituals? I think it's going and making a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. It's that sort of standing by the kettle. But, um, yeah, maybe just doing it a bit more mindfully. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because it is before it would have been like walking home and having my music. And, yeah, just that sort of halfway space where you're like sort of thinking about what happened, but also starting to move through into, okay, I'm, you know, in my home head now or my, my own sort of private life head. Um yeah, and just having having other ways of doing that. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, we're coming to um, a, a close now. We've talked about um, providing the online space and, and, and how to make that supportive, enabling, compassionate, caring, connecting. We've talked a little bit about the technology, the, um, the tech the, te no, the technology and how to use that well and considering a bit su 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 some of the safeguard 
ardent questions that um, co um, come up for people. And, 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 and as important as um, the support that peer supporters provide for each other, but also that support for the to the facilitators to enable them to, to carry out their role and develop their skills as well. Um, so yeah, it's been a really interesting conversation and um, such a rich knowledge and experience to be shared there um, and so much more that we could spend our time talking about. But perhaps for, for now, if we could bring this to a close with maybe one key message that you'd like to share with people um, to inspire them to say, say you know, go on. <laughs> Emma, did you want to go first? Do you have a key message? Yeah, I, I'm happy to go. Um, I, I that's exactly my message to anyone. Um, don't be scared. Um, and really go for it. Um, it's an truly enriching experience. And actually, more than ever, when connection is is so important as we get back out into to what will be our new normal world, I think this is the time to do it. So anyone that might be sitting there and just be a little apprehensive about what that's going to look, take the risk because it is certainly worth it. And uh, the results um, are, are having a massive impact on, on people's lives. Um, and yeah, and I would say that people, as your research found, people absolutely can connect in online spaces and they can do it in a really meaningful way. And yes, while it's not maybe exactly the same as it would be in a face-to-face -face space, um, and it might not work for everybody, but there's also a whole group of people that wouldn't have been able to access face-to-face -face spaces who now can access peer support through the online spaces. Um, and I think that sort of um, increase in accessibility for some people is really something to be celebrated and something to be taken forward as we hopefully move back to more of a in-person kind of life. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, thank you. So I, I, I would probably just say, well, what they say. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's just, just do it. But at the same time, learn from, uh, learn from other people. There are resources out there. Um, the Scottish Recovery Network is developing a peer resource hub. We will have resources out there. We've got the hints and tips on our website. There's organisations like Bipolar Scotland and the Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Peer Community. Community, all happy and willing to share um, um, their learning and experiences. There's a wealth of tools out there or information out there on how to use um, online tools. And, and it's such a rich time. It's just almost like just do it and learn from the experience as you go along and from other people. And it's worth embracing. So thank you so much um, for joining us um, and and especially thanks to both Hayley and, e and Emma for sharing their experiences today and for everybody who's involved in the peer community in Scotland. Um, we're on our way upwards and onwards as they say so um, let's embrace the, um, the technology side and see where it takes us. So thank you very much and hope to see, speak to people in the future in time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.